Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yes, it is. Feeling alive, feeling uh, alive and well. Hope you are as well. Uh, get involved with the show. Drop us a text, 0457 736 736 if you'd like to. Uh, you can pick up the phone, have a chat as well. There will be time. Um, we'll make time. We will make time if you want to have uh, have a chat. So I will uh, I'll get to uh, your text messages are already starting to come through as well. I uh, promise. I promise I'll do that before we go uh, off air. Hey, just before we talk some cricket, and we're going to do that with uh, Jack Clifton. Now, Jack is uh, the host of the Red V podcast. So, yeah, he's a rugby league nut, but he also uh, does a lot of cricket commentary too. So we'll be talking to uh, Jack very, very shortly. Loads happening in the uh, in the world of cricket. Just before I do, though, what about this punter? I don't know if you've, you've seen this. He uh, has turned $20 or 28 Australian dollars to be precise. So 20 US dollars into... Well, let's talk Aussie dollars. So $28, he's turned it into $823,424 uh, by guessing the correct winners uh, and the exact score of both the NFL uh, Conference Championship games. Can you believe that? My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. So basically, he he, cor- he picked the correct score, Cincinnati Bengals um, beating uh, Kansas City Chiefs, 27-24. And then... Uh, tipped the uh, the Rams, the LA Rams, to beat San Francisco 49ers 20 to 17. So 28 bucks he outlaid. Ka-ching, ka-bloody ching, ka-ching. $823,424, my word. Good luck to you, my friend. I wish he was my friend. Joining us now is uh, cricket commentator Jack Clifton. That's uh, some sort of coin, isn't it, Jack? Some sort of coin indeed. Yeah, I know, and you still wouldn't be able to buy a house in Sydney without Chris. Oh, so. you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't have a deposit. Good, uh, good. Oh, yeah, no. good on to good on the punter there. You might you might be able to get a nice little oh. uh, seaside holiday shack down the south coast somewhere. But uh, Maybe yeah, so. that's uh, definitely some some coin. But yeah, great to see lots of people getting behind the NFL. It's really kind of exploded in Australia over the last kind of ten or twenty years with the uh, the advent of all these different streaming sports services and different things. And, yeah, there's, mm. uh, there's been some cracking playoff games the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, no, there has, and it all reaches the climax with the Super Bowl, of course, which you'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be across that on this network. Right, let's talk some cricket, Jacko. Um, and you've been right across it. Firstly, start with the Women's Ashes series. And, uh, wow, hey, uh, that, was, that was some sort of thrilling draw, wasn't it? Um, all four... Uh, all four outcomes were, were on the table still with an out, with an over to play. Just an incredible match. Yeah, it really was. And it was, I think, a, a really good show of what uh, uh, the, the women's game uh, is now and how exciting it is. And unfortunately, we don't get to see as much uh, women's test cricket as we uh, as would like. And, and it certainly, I guess, uh, got that conversation talking a little bit again about um, yeah, the fact that Australia might have to wait another year before they get a, a chance to play that longer form. But regardless of what you think about 
where there should be more tests or less tests. It was a, a fantastic spectacle down there in the nation's capital and uh, some really good individual performances on, on show. We saw uh, the English women really show, uh, I, I thought, of, uh, a lot of guts and, and were quite daring on that, that fourth and, and final day to really take the attack to the Australians. Uh, England didn't want to lie down. They thought they could kind of pull that game out of the fire, and they almost did some 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 excellent innings in that uh, that top order. Heather Knight, who had such a wonderful performance in uh, in the first innings when she finished 168 not out, uh, scored 48 in that second innings, and along with um, Nat Cyber, who I know a, a, a lot of cricket fans would have uh, remembered her name and, and uh, remembered her vision from her time with, with Perth and the WBBL. Uh, they put on a really good partnership, and at that stage, I, I think if you're an Aussie fan, Chris, you were, you were probably feeling a little bit nervous, but Australia were able to get some some wickets, and, and as you mentioned, heading that, that final over, um, all of the, the possible outcomes of that match were, were on mm. the table, and um, yeah, it was, I guess, a little bit unfortunate that it ended in a, in a draw, um, and to, to maybe non-cricket fans, uh, they, they're probably asking, how can it be a draw after four days, but one of the most uh, absorbing women's test matches, perhaps of all time, but certainly in, in recent memory. And as Rio opened the, the, the discussion or the debate about whether they mm. two should be five-day test matches for the women, uh, which personally I think should happen. Uh, where do you stand on mm. that? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I think more pressing than that is probably a first-class women's competition in Australia. Um, I think it's really unfair mm. to uh, get these women to have to adapt from uh, T20 cricket, which is the, the WBBL, which is a lot of what a lot of these women play, and um, and also the 50-over format. Those that are, are lucky enough to represent Australia in those those two other formats, I think it's very hard. We often talk about the men's side and, and how difficult it is for particular players that are playing all three formats to try and adapt back to Test cricket, and they speak about the Sheffield Shield and different things. I would love to see. At some at some kind of level, Chris, a, a first class competition for for, for the women. Um, I think that's the only way that you're going to get an opportunity to get better at the longer form of the game, and the only way that there's going to be opportunities for you for you to play um, future test matches t- test matches down the track. I I know they've got this current system in place where uh, points are allocated through the T20s and the the 50 over one day international matches and the test match. But mm. I think at the end of the day, if you asked all those women, those those 22 or 24 women. That were involved in that fantastic test match down in Canberra. They would love to have three or four test matches at their disposal to, to decide who would win, who would win the Ashes, and hopefully that's something that Cricket Australia are going to take on. Um, yeah. I guess take on board, and maybe something that they're thinking about in the future. Even a, a three-day first-class competition is better than nothing, and it will give these girls the, the best opportunity to, to put their best foot forward and, and uh, get some more experience and exposure at playing that longer form. Yeah, I guess you know, we've got to build up to that too, though, and Cricket Australia and, and you know, all the governing bodies, they are aware that, OK, well, you know, what if they all... What if they... OK, let's allocate five days and suddenly it's all over in three, you know, because they, they, they can't mm. last the distance too, and so then they'll get criticised... Um, it's a bit of a no-win situation there, but I think that's something we really still got to build towards. And women's cricket is coming ahead in leaps and bounds over the last five or ten years, let's say five years. Mm. Um, I think it's still got a, a little way to go um, if it's able to sustain, you know, a, a, you know, a five five day five test ashes series, for example. I think we're still mm. a, a fair way from that. In terms of the current system, though, um, we've had the T20. Well, we had one of the T20s. So two were washed out, weren't they? Um, then we've had the, the test match wrapped up yesterday. So now we've got the three uh, one-day internationals. So where is it all poised? England, they have to win all three, right? Yeah, that's correct. So there's a lot of pressure on them, but 
I, I guess on the other end of the spectrum, when you're looking at it, Chris, sometimes that can bring out the best in, in sporting teams when their back's against the wall and um, the, there's no other options. Yeah, England know they've got, to, they've got to go in there. And it probably means they're going to be a bit more daring with bat and ball because they're not going to leave anything uh, in the dressing rooms. They're going to go out there and, and try and be aggressive with the bat when they get an opportunity to bat it and, and be aggressive in the field as well because I think that's something that has been a huge part of, of Australian sport. It's a huge part of, obviously, Australian men's side and their dominance in the, the 80s and 90s and, and the early 2000s. But this women's side, they have been so dominant in all three formats for such a long time and it is on the back of, of being aggressive and not aggressive in uh, in a volatile manner but just aggressive in the way that they, they play their cricket. Having someone like Alyssa Healy or Beth Moody at the top of the order that can really set the tempo for those 50 over games is probably something that England might want to take a leaf out of that book and, and see how they go but it's it's going to be a fascinating three match series. I certainly hope as uh, if you're a neutral viewer, I, I know there's probably plenty of Australian fans that would love to see Australia win that first one day and, and secure the Ashes but it would be great if England um, kind of won those first two um, 50 over games and then it all came down to that, to that third and deciding one day international and we'll see whether England are good enough to uh, to try and push Australia all the way to the limit. Yeah, uh, we're just talking about you know, the development of the women's game and, and, and it has because I, you know, now I, I can almost rattle off if there's a an incumbent top five or top six batters that that are, that are now household names in women's cricket. Mm. You, you rewind a few years ago, well, you'd be really scratching around, wouldn't you? So uh, it's getting better and better all the time. Um, Steve from, from Padstow has sent me a text on 0457 736 736. I'm talking to cricket commentator Jack Clifton, by the way. Uh, Steve says, hi, Chris. Did you just say that Justin Langer, needs to reapply for his job. They're joking. Uh, Cricket Australia uh, should pull their heads in. Um, Yes, and I guess there are some, though, on the other side of the coin that can understand Cricket Australia um, wavering, if you like, or um, not being prepared to offer a new long-term deal. But the fact that he should reapply, uh, I think it's it's ludicrous. Yeah, it's... uh... It's such a it's such a fiddly one. This I guess Justin Langer in Cricket Australia feud that's been going on for a while, Chris. It's certainly been picked up in the media in in recent months. There's been lots of articles, um, especially in the Sydney Morning Herald, but I know Fox have have, have had their fair share, and it's, it's certainly been talk of the town through the Men's Ashes series. Uh, in regards to him reapplying for a job, I think that's uh, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think that should be that should be the case. I think Cricket Australia need to make a call either way. Either Justin Langer's the man to to lead them forward, and or or, or he's not. I think yeah, getting someone to reapply for a job that they're currently doing is uh, is a little bit farcical, and it's just an unfortunate position because I think. I think Justin Langer has done a very good job as a, as Australian coach. When you look at the, uh, the the credentials that he came in with coming in to take this role as, as coach of Australia and what he's been able to do, let's not forget that Australia were, were poultry at, at T20 cricket in, in major international tournaments for well, pretty much up until the, the T20 Cup uh, late last year. And he, he won that. That was almost a, a monkey off the back. And he's been able to get a very convincing um, Ashes series uh, win here in Australia that probably has been diluted somewhat by the fact that Australia's had similar convincing Ashes series victories in the past. But this was a still a quite a strong English side that came out. So I think Justin Langer's probably... Uh, ticked all the boxes, possibly had a, a drawn series in England. He was inches away, really. It was that Nathan Lyon run out in that famous test with Ben Stokes that, that could have turned it into Australia's first test series win in England since 
2001 and, and, and maybe things will be looking a little bit different. But I, I guess Cricket Australia probably don't like the volatile nature of, of the, the way that Justin Langerizzi seems to push noses out of joints. And I know, I know players in the past have certainly uh, voiced their displeasure at, at, I guess, his management style, for, for lack of a better term. Um, but I guess... What, what do you want? Do you want someone, uh, a, a nice coach, Chris, that's going to put his arm around the players and make them feel welcome to make them feel loved? Or do you want someone in there that maybe is uh, a bit of a harsh figure but is going to get results on the field? I want Justin Langer, Jack. Mate, thanks for joining us. Um, I wanted to talk about the Sheffield Shield as well, but we've run out of time because I've got Scotty Bailey who's going to jump on the line as well. Um, and Mitchell Stark too. Uh, he credits closing the gap between the good stuff and the not-so-good stuff for his Allen Border medal. Uh, we could talk about loads more, and we'll, we'll do it um, in days coming down the track, mate. But thanks for your, for your time. No worries, Chris. Up the Dragons, mate. <laughs> Go the mighty Dragons. All right, there he is. So self-confessed uh, Dragons. Tragic and uh, host of the Red V podcast. Jack Clifton, thank you to him. We're going to take a short break, and on the other side, Scotty Bailey's going to join us from AAP.